All right, hi everyone, how's it going? This week we are joined by Alexandria Kichutu, who is a first year physics grad student in the Physics Education Research Group. Her research focuses on how the intersections of race, gender, and sexuality interact with women of color and LGBTQ plus women's identity as physicists. It's a good conversation. Alexandria talks about her research. She also talks about her interests in music and other variety of academic interests. We also learn, if you stick to the end, we learn a lot about dinosaurs, so definitely be sure to stick around for that. Hope you enjoy. Welcome. Um, could you introduce yourself briefly, real quick? Yeah. Um, my name is Alexandria Kitsutsu. I am a first-year graduate student at Michigan State University, and I do physics education research. Nice. What kind of research do you do with NPER? So I do uh, mainly qualitative work. Um, so I work on trying to better understand uh, the identity development of Black, Indigenous women of color slash and or and or um, LGBTQ plus women um, who do physics. Okay, very nice. Are you doing, so this is your first year, so you're taking classes. Are you also TAing during this time? Or are you doing research on top of classes? Is it primarily focusing on classes now? Um, so it's kind of, it's like a, a mismatch. So I am on fellowship, luckily, uh, which is wonderful. So I don't have to TA, um, but most of my work was done, or so far has been done with my undergraduate institution. Um, and so since we still had our, um, some papers in the work and mixing with that, I'm still able to do um, not like gathering data, um, but it's like the data analysis and like write-ups of um, the research with my undergraduate institution. So I'm kind of like, working with them and doing classes over here, but not doing research specifically over here, kind of, sort of. Um, I am working with the, um, with Vashti's group, um, her SM group on uh, transfer students um, success. So I'm working with a postdoc over here and we're like mixing that in with one of my education classes. So it's like kind of doing research, but it's bridging classwork. So yeah. Okay. yeah. Can you explain a little of what STEM is? I can try. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not too. Uh, I I got to be in. I got to sit in um, to the group meetings over the summer. So that was the summer work that I got to do. Um, so let me. So I know it is. Let's see. It's like I, I am sort of like I am aware of its existence. And I know I have heard even talks <laughs> about it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up real quick just so I'm giving proper, proper information. Factual information. <laughs> yeah, things that make sense. I'm not just like, I think it's this and it's completely wrong. It's, yeah, I mean, sometimes I do that when I TA, I just talk <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, this probably sounds right. Like, and I then like so. an hour later, I'm like, I think I liked them. <laughs> no, yeah, I remember doing that when I was, uh, when I was an LA slash uh, lab instructor out, was just like, this is exactly good information. And two seconds later, I'd be, I would like walk back to the classroom. I'm like, hey guys, I messed up. Um, okay, so uh, the STEM scholarship stands for Scholarships in Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics, Natural Science uh, Transfer Scholars. Um, so it is an NSF um, grant and it, uh, it is a scholarship for students who have transferred from a two-year college um, to Michigan State University who have uh, declared a major inside of STEM. Um, let's see, okay. it is a, yeah, two years of funding. Um, and they also get support. I think one of the most important parts is that they also get support uh, through the Charles Drew Science Scholars Program. Um, and so the study that I'm working on is a student who transferred from a... Um, community college instead of Flint, Michigan, over to MSU, um, who, is, uh, who declared a human bio major. And so we're like looking at her interviews, talking, uh, I'm not talking to her, but uh, others in the group are talking to her, um, but just trying to understand her trajectory and um, how STEM, STEM or Drew has helped her um, just feel more confident or if it has increased her confidence and just like solidified her major and support throughout this uh, four year program. Very nice. So you had mentioned earlier, so a lot of your work is currently with, or like continuing what you did at undergrad. So can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit like where you did undergrad and a little bit of like the stuff that you did with there? For sure. So I did my undergraduate at Texas State University. It is a 
um, and I feel like I'm just going into my spiel. It is a uh, <laughs> it is a, a large regional Hispanic serving institution in Central Texas. Um, so I am in San Marcos, Texas. I'm actually in San Marcos, Texas right now. I haven't moved up to Michigan yet because um, you know pandemic. Pandemic, um, yeah. Pandemic. <laughs> um, warmer I, there though. <laughs> oh my God, it's so warm. And usually October is <laughs> a little bit cool, and it hasn't gotten cool yet, and I'm kind of sad. But uh, the other day it was 63 outside. I went to go walk the dog, and I stepped outside, and I'm like, oh, it's a little chilly. I need to go grab my sweater, and I go put my sweater on, and it's 63. I'm not ready for Michigan. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're situated right in between um, San Antonio and Austin. So we're like right in the central Texas area. Um, so we have a lot of commuter students. Um, we have some students who do live on campus, but mostly we are a uh, Hispanic serving institution, which means we have at least 25% of our students self-identifying as Hispanic. I believe we have about 33%, maybe more students on campus who identify as Hispanic. Um, so there's that really, really big cultural um, influence that the university has because of these students and because of um, other grants and things that they can bring in to help support the cultural identity of students, which is really, really neat. Um, and so I did my physics undergraduate here. Uh, I actually started university as a music major at a different institution. Um, it's just like 30 minutes away. Everything's close in Texas. If you think 30 minutes is close, I do because I live in Texas. Um, so yeah, so I was a music major for two years, decided I needed to do something easier, so then I switched to physics and switched to Texas State University. It's um, my short way of saying it all. Um, and so, yeah, uh, the work that I've been able to do here, it kind of stemmed from uh, being part of our learning assistant program. Um, but I know, I think Michigan State also has a learning assistant program. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, similar, for people who don't know, it's similar to a teaching assistant program, except, um, or not, or the three main components of a learning assistant program is practice, prep, and pedagogy. So students are able to prep um, with their instructors or with a large group. We do ours in a large group. And so you're able to kind of like mingle around with other people who are teaching the same classes. So you don't have to work with just the people who are going to be in your class teaching. Um, but they also require a pedagogy course um, for first semester learning assistance. And so the director of the program helps teach that course. Um, her name is Dr. Eleanor Close. She's one of the uh, program directors right now. Um, we, we've grown and we have a whole team. It's very <laughs> exciting. I miss it so much. Um, and so she was teaching um, the pedagogy class. Um, and so we kind of learned about like why we do active learning, what active learning actually is, how to um, like problem solve and how to work with students and also understand students' backgrounds. Um, so there is a two-week period inside of the course, two to three weeks, where we actually talk about equity and STEM issues. Um, so we talk about underrepresentation, we talk about implicit bias, we talk about um, all kinds of things. And these things do naturally come up within the, uh, the scope of the course, but we have two weeks dedicated to readings about this. Um, and so when I was taking this course, I was like taking in all this information, having conversations with other students inside of my class. And afterwards, um, she, set up, she sets up a little bit of time after class, um, back when we met in person, so you can go actually talk to her. Um, so she didn't just like jet out the door, even though it was an evening class. Um, and so I walked up to her and I was just like, I'm really curious about like uh, brown girls in STEM. Cause you talked a lot about like racial minorities in STEM, you talked a lot about women in STEM, but there's nothing that talks about like specifically brown girls in STEM. And she's like, okay, I'll look into this. I think that's really interesting. I never actually thought about that before. Um, and so she came to me later and was just like, I couldn't really find anything. That's not a problem. If you're interested in doing research, you can do that. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so my original plan when I transferred was to do astrophysics because everybody's plan when they go into physics is to do astrophysics for the mm -hmm. most part. Because um, space is dope. Um, yeah. <laughs> I stand by that. Like space is still hella dope. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm like, I like her. I feel comfortable with her. Um, I can do astrophysics since I haven't taken the, the one undergraduate course we have for astro. I was like, I haven't taken that yet. So I'll spend my summer doing education research. I'm like trying to figure this stuff out. I'm just like learning a little bit more. I have an education background. I did it for two years. I'm like, it'll be cool. It'll be cool. And I kind of just got, got sucked in to the community and sucked into the work so much. that I was just like, astrophysics, who? PR is where it's at. Um, and so, so yeah, it was, it was really brought on by just like this curiosity of where is the literature that exists that talks specifically about uh, Black, Indigenous women of color inside of STEM, um, specifically in physics, because the numbers are um, heinously low in comparison to other STEM fields. Um, 
And so, yeah, that's kind of like where it started and like how it came to be. Um, we do uh, qualitative work. And so we do clinical style interviews with students who have self-identified as uh, racialized minorities and women. Um, we do uh, include trans women inside of that and trans people inside of that because they are also gender minorities. So we probably change it to gender minorities in STEM. Um, but I want to make it very clear that uh, we just don't, haven't had any uh, trans uh, students who have been able to do these interviews so far. Um, but we do, we are considering them inside of this larger scheme. Um, so yeah, we do interviews with them. We talk about their trajectories, um, if they see themselves as physicists, what's helped them see themselves as physicists. And kind of just like um, look at that and look uh, at their own perceptions of their identity as physicists and like how they feel and how it like matches or not or doesn't match with their own um, uh, minoritized identities. I hope that answered your question. Yeah. That was very yes. long. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was that was a lot of a lot of good detail and like a good way of like kind of highlighting all all the things that you're looking at. Especially since like I feel like in PER it's a smaller field to begin with. I feel like mm -hmm. people don't really understand all that goes on into that. Where it's like even when you can't explain education, we should people are like, oh, so how do you teach a class? But like. Mm -hmm. Like it's even more as you can demonstrate with like even identities. Like I don't think that's something that people naturally first thinks of usually. Mm -hmm. Of like, oh, this is still like mm -hmm. physics research. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. So I kind of want to go back to like, so you said you went to music school first, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So what kind of music were you like? Do you play like an instrument? You do singing i i don't know much about like the arts <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so i do i do a little bit of uh i'd say a little bit of everything but it's a very little bit of everything um so i my main instrument is the cello i've been playing it since i was nine so i'm 24 so that is 15 years now good god um it sounds math like a long <laughs> math is hard <laughs> Um, so yeah, so my main instrument is the cello. Um, so I played it uh, in the fifth grade. So I started playing it in the fifth grade. My mom was like, all y'all got to do music, me and all my sisters, because she played clarinet in high school. And she was like, they don't have clarinet for fifth graders, but they do have strings. Um, so I'm very lucky that I was able to have um, an elementary school and middle school that had um, orchestra programs for us. Um, and so yeah, so I started playing that. I did it all throughout middle school. I did it all throughout high school. Um, and when I was applying for colleges, I wasn't sure what I, I had. I had a whole lot of ideas on what I wanted to do. Um, but my, I think my, my main purpose at the time was that I felt like I had a home in music and I had a home in orchestra. Um, and I was like a little bit scared to go to college because like it's, a, it's pretty scary. So I was just like, okay, I don't know if I want to do science. I don't know if I wanted to do, I wanted to do uh, classical literature for a while and linguistics and anthropology. I had a whole list, paleontology, a whole list. Um, <laughs> but I was just like, I don't know if I could do those yet. So I'm going to go to school for music. Um, and my, my high school teacher had a really good relationship with the uh, university that I started going to my first university. Um, and so I had met the orchestra director. She talked to me. I like talked to people who went there. Um, they gave me scholarships to go and I was just like, thank goodness, because I didn't have to pay too much to go. Um, and so, so yeah, I started my uh, university career doing music education um, with the goal of being either a middle school or a high school music teacher. Um, everyone told me to be an elementary school music teacher and I was like, nah, I'm gonna play orchestras, but also I love elementary music. It's so much fun because there's so many games you can play with the little ones. Um, and so, yes, I do uh, cello primarily. I took two years of private piano because that's included instead of the music degree. Um, I'm not good at piano. Please don't ask me to play a piano. I can play you some scales. Um, at the, my very last lesson at the end of the two years that I spent doing piano, my teacher was like, you could finally play piano. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's really piano. hard. Piano yeah. seems really hard. It's like you have Five, you have 10 fingers yeah and there's like what 100 some odd keys or something yeah, like it doesn't eight, seem possible to me <laughs> it's it's it was just like turning my brain onto like doing both things at the same time which is weird because like I can do that with my cello like I can move my like both my arms independently but like just my fingers I was just like this is wild I don't know what's happening I don't like this I'm like I, yeah it was it was what it was it was really really fun to learn my teacher was really really she was just she was fantastic um it's like she was saying it like as a full joke it was it was very funny 
Um, but yeah, I sing a little bit. So I'm in the Grand Canonical Ensemble this year, um, which I'm excited. I, 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 I thought it was really neat how there's like a little physics choir. I think that's super cool. Um, so I'm doing that. I've done choir in the past. Uh, I play ukulele for fun, like when I get super stressed out. Um, it's just like a nice, pretty common instrument. And so uh, I play that, um, especially if I'm like doing late nights, just trying to write or trying to read articles or trying to submit abstracts. I'm just like, let's take a break, play some ukulele. It used to sit inside of my lab, um, RPER lab. So I could just pick it up in the middle of the day um, and just play a little bit and recenter yeah. myself. It's a relaxing instrument. And I, I yeah. kind of feel like it's one of those instruments where you don't even need to know how to do Like if you don't yeah. know how to play, it still sounds nice. Yeah. As opposed to like, if you get a violin or something like that and you try to do it and you have no idea what you're doing, like it, it shows dramatically. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Having taught little ones to play violin, it's, they try so hard and I love it, but it just, it's so, it sounds so bad. So like you started the cello, like when you're in fifth grade, isn't like the cello, cello's like pretty big, isn't that? Maybe I, maybe I don't know what sizes <laughs> are, but I'm like trying to, yeah. I feel like it's a big instrument for a small child to do. <laughs> Luckily, um, so this doesn't happen with woodwinds and brass instruments. So in band, like there's like one size and you have to fit that size, which is why you usually don't have nine-year-olds playing like the mm -hmm. trombone because it's bigger than they <laughs> yeah. are. I've seen them pick it up and it's so funny. Um, but luckily string instruments come in fractional sizes. Um, so you start like, they have one eighth size cellos, which is just basically a giant viola, which is, and it's so funny to see little kids. It's like, it's so small and it's so mm -hmm. cute. Um, but yeah, they have fractional sizes. And so you usually start with like a one half size. You go up to three quarters, go um. up to a full. Um, the cello that I have now is a really like unique size. It's seven eighths. Um, and so that's not like a commercially made size. Like you can find them. So I like found this one spe uh, specifically because I'm not a tall person. I don't have big hands. So also my piano was really hard. I don't have big hands. <laughs> I can't always reach all the keys. Um, but yeah, so they make them oh. for, for little ones to play oh, okay. as well. I didn't know that. See, this is you know, why I'm about to say like any person that has any background music will probably be like, oh, you idiot. But oh, like, no, like... <laughs> cause I'm picking up my mind, I'm like, well, like the cello's the bigger one. And then it's it gets big. taller. And then I'm like, a, a violin is like <laughs> just essentially a handheld cello. And then like a viola is like an even smaller violin. Oh, like, opposite it's... way. The oh, viola... other way, sure. No, yeah, yeah. It, the violin's the smallest and then you get viola and then you get cello. Okay. And then you get the bass, which is the tall thing that you see in jazz bands and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like yeah, if you I don't know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if you don't know, like how are you supposed to know about all the different sizes? Like if you don't know, yeah. Yeah, they all. I'm like they just look like giant versions or small <laughs> versions of the same thing. It's they really do. They really do. All right, cool. So you went into like music education, and then at some point, you're like, uh, now I want to do physics, or I want to no. Well, you said astrophysics. <laughs> you're like I want to do something else, like what led to that transition of like, I'm shifting from music to seemingly a much different field. <laughs> it's very different. Um, so a, a lot of things actually kind of played into that. So I, um, I think at my, at my original university, I struggled a lot. I mean, like, I still do. Um, but I struggled a lot with depression when I was there. Um, I just didn't feel like the program was a good fit for me. Like I love, I loved my orchestra director. I think she is a visionary. They gave her tenure the very second they could, so they could keep her at the university and she's happy to work there. Um, but um, the, the string program itself was really small. And so the education that I got, um, cause you have to, so the way that teaching certification works at least inside of Texas um, for music educators is that you are certified to teach any kind of music. So you're certified to teach choral music, you're certified to teach uh, band, and you're certified to teach orchestra. Um, and so because there were more band students inside of my class, the classes are like the, like um, called the methods class. Um, so these classes that were taught by band people were really taught for band people. Um, it's that, that really led me to a really, really big disconnect of, I was afraid to ask questions inside of class because I was just like, the other 15 people in this class know this 
and I don't. And like the couple of times that I did, they're just like, why don't you know this? And I'm like, because I play the cello. I don't know what the mouthpiece, I know it exists, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know what it does. And um, so like there was just like a lot of, um, not like, it wasn't like intentional. I don't think it was intentional what they were doing. Um, but it just felt like I was just not learning as much as I could have because um, I wasn't able to ask questions that I needed to ask um, to like fulfill that knowledge. And so like, I just had a lot of disconnect um, specifically with those classes, which are the majority of my classes, um, which just led to me having a lot of uh, depression and anxiety, which I like, I still have depression and anxiety. I just didn't know what to do about it then. Um, and so there was, I got to go see, which was the best day. Um, I and my ex-partner got to go see Bill Nye do one of his live podcasts uh, at the Tobin Center in San Antonio. It's like when he goes on tour, I think it's a star talk, maybe. Um, and I love Bill Nye. I've always loved Bill Nye. So I've, I've always loved science. I wanted to be a scientist when I was some kind of scientist when I was little. I didn't want to deal with dinosaurs. I also love dinosaurs. Um, so I got to go see Bill Nye and I was just, just like, this is just, it was just very exciting. You know, like I felt like, um, just like my brain was turned on in a different way um, that it can be turned on. Like when I like specifically when I was like doing cello stuff, but it wasn't like the rest of my coursework. It was just, I just felt kind of empty. Um, and so I was just like, maybe I should think about science. I should think about science again. Like, let's see what happens. And like, maybe just like do a little bit of a shit, like maybe do a minor and then see what happens, see how I feel. Like stay at the same university, still do music ed. Um, Cause it's very into music ed. Um, and then I also watched the movie, The Martian. And I was just like, this is so cool. Like, this is so cool. Science is just so cool. Maybe I should just switch to science altogether. Um, and that's the power of popular media. Um, and so like, it's like, there's all these factors like coming in um, where I was just like thinking about switching. Um, so when I switched to universities, I actually went to go visit with the chairs of the department or the assistant head of the department. So I was uh, questioning whether I wanted to switch into cultural anthropology. Um, or if I wanted to switch into physics. Um, and so I went to go visit with them. I had, had like a four year plan already played out. I'm just like, can I do all of this? And they're just like, yeah, for sure. Um, but the thing that made me pick physics over cultural anthropology was that um, typically a cultural anthropologist will take a minor as they're in their undergrad, will take their minor in sociology. And I was like, can I do sociology and physics as a minor? Cause like, I still think science is pretty cool, but like I wanna do all this anthropological stuff. And they're just like, that might not work. So I was like, okay, let's do physics. And if I hate it, I'll just go back to anthropology. Easy day, it'll be fine. And I just kind of stuck with physics, especially cause I was able to find um, like, like the human connection inside of PER that I was looking for inside of the anthropology classes. Oh, very cool. And so then you said you got into like there's the learning assistant program. Mm -hmm. So you're a part of that. So, but you started off as an LA and then you're like that led into wanting to do education research. Is that how that yeah. path went? Okay. Mm -hmm. Very cool. How long did you LA for? So I actually only LA for one semester, <laughs> um, which sounds wild. Uh, Cause I, a lot of my work uh, the last couple of years has just been with LA's. Um, but I allied my second semester in the program um, and I was still dealing with a lot of like the same anxiety and depression during that time. Um, and just with uh, like I had I had a couple of gems of students who were just like very kind and very understanding and it was just very nice. Um, but at the time I would think that's what I was doing. I was allaying. And then I was a lab TA, which is separate from the LA program. So it was like kind of like two separate jobs, but like very similar. A lot of the LAs were our lab TAs. Um, and then I think I was working, I used to work at this uh, children's daycare kind of center thing. Uh, I was a music teacher slash manager over there. And that was mostly, it was mostly on the weekends, but it's also sometimes during the week um, because it was fun. And I liked my coworkers and I liked playing with the little babies because they were so cute. Um, so there's like, just like a lot going on in that, um, time and what really, uh, at the time turned me off from returning as an LA for a second semester, which was my original goal, um, was trying to take the time to reflect on, um, how it made me feel with the majority of the students that we had so the primarily, and this is not a dig on engineering students. We had a lot of engineering students, um, in our physics classes because our physics program is so small. Um, and because we do active learning, 
um, they don't, and they're used to uh, more traditional lecture-based classes with normal homework and maybe some group work once or twice their entire college career. Um, there was a lot of, it was just a lot of work trying to get students to engage in active learning, um, which was its own little uh, bombshell in itself. But there was also um, just a lot of personal work for me to be seen as a competent person to teach them these things, um, which is a struggle for everybody who's teaching for the first time. Um, and we have our prep sessions, and we have our pedagogy sessions, so we are like taking the time to train our students, which is why I really like learning assistant programs in general. Um, but even like with that, it was a little bit more than just like new teacher jitters. It was like an actual, um, sometimes it was an actual just like fight to be seen as a competent person um, with these students because oftentimes I would go to a group and then they would immediately ask uh, one of the other male LAs the same question that they just asked me. Uh, and a lot of the times uh, the male LAs were really, really good about it. They're just like, oh yeah, she just told you. So I'm gonna say the same thing that she said because it's, right um and so that was just really really difficult and made me not want to be back inside of um the physics classroom like in that manner um but this last year my last two semesters inside uh, at texas state i was able to be um an la for the pedagogy class which is uh, a completely different experience because these are students who really really want to be inside of this class and who are able to ask um or who are um not afraid to ask dumb questions, um, but are also at the same time kind of being talked about, like we talk about like inequities in STEM. Um, and so they're also like aware of these things. And so they're a little bit, they're able to be a little bit more mindful about their questions, but also they're getting paid to be part of this program. Um, so it's kind of like they just like their attitude towards physics in general is a little bit different. Um, they're not just in the class to get the credit and go back to their engineering classes. Um, they were like in it to like, just to like learn a little bit different. So like the, the vibes were just very different. Um, so, I, so I guess I technically LA'd for three semesters, but I only LA'd instead of a, a traditional, that's traditional, that's an intro physics classroom for one. Okay. Okay. That'll, that makes sense. That's super cool though. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Switching away from like physics, you know, and research and stuff. A little bit like so you went to school and you did okay physics and all this so you're like you already kind of talked a little bit about music but were you a part of like other clubs or organizations or hobbies or activities during your time in undergrad oh yeah for sure for sure um so i was part of so our women in physics group is called swip which is the society of women in physics um I know one of the co-founders who did her undergrad master's and her PhD at Texas State wanted to call it WHIPS because she's like, that'd be very funny, like, Wich. and everyone was like, no, that's wild. Um, so I was able that's to- That's called it ours. <laughs> right, and it's, I, think, I think it's cool. And so I met somebody who was part of the WHIPS and I told her, I texted her and I'm just like, they called theirs WHIPS. And she's like, that's not fair, change the constitution. <laughs> um, I thought it would have been a very fun name. There's actually a group down here um, which is a Trinity, Trinity University Ladies in Physics. And so their acronym is TULIPS. And I'm just like, I'm transferring schools. I want to be a TULIP. Um, but yeah, so I was part of our Women in Physics group. Um, so I was president for one year, which was a treat. Um, and it was, it was mostly just like a social group. So we did like some outreach. Um, but the main idea was just like to get good food because uh, food is very culturally important to me, but also it's culturally important to college students to get food. Um, so we have like, fruit and I would bake cookies or I would make like actual food food to eat during these lunchtime meetings. We did them during lunchtime. Um, and so people would either just like run in and grab food before class and then dip because they had to go to class or they would just like actually sit in. So it was a really community-based um, program or club. Uh, I kind of went to SPS sometimes, but it was on Thursday nights. And I'm like, I just want to be at home with my puppy on Thursday night. I'm very tired. Um, and then I also, I continued doing music um, when I started, uh, so I have my, my minor is in music, so it's not actually in math. I was one class away from getting a math minor and I was just like, I'm fine. Um, I was like, I basically have it. So what's the difference? Um, so I have a, a music minor because I was like, I should use these two years of music for something. Um, so I still took private cello lessons with the uh, university. And so we had like cello class that would meet every week. Um, 
I, I did a community orchestra for a year or two, I think, when I started, and then just wasn't able to have the time for it afterwards. Um, but yeah, that was, that was just most of my socializing. Um, we're really lucky that, like, the women in physics, um, we would just, like, socialize outside of just the SWIT meetings. Um, and so there's just, like, that normal let's hang out and do homework or we would there was a there is a place it's still here um that did dollar margaritas during happy hour um and so sometimes they'd just be like let's get dollar margs and i'm like all dd like i'm legal to drink <laughs> but i was just like all dd i'll eat nachos and they're just like we'll pay for your nachos and i was like dope like it worked out for everybody <laughs> it was so that good sounds like uh, you know i i am jealous of that uh, <laughs> so good all of that yeah. Dollar margarita sounds dangerous, but like, you know what? I'm also down for just getting Right, nachos. right. And, like, and they were like, they were like kind of small. Um, okay. And they went like super, super strong, depending on who was there that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think they like limited you to a couple of them. So they, cause like they knew what they mm-hmm. were doing. Yeah. Um, but it was still just like dollar marks. Well, why still, not? Yeah. 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 Thirsty Thursdays. Thirsty um. Thursdays. <laughs> Uh, okay well that, that's really cool that's cool that you're also like able to like find a group of people where even though it sounds like they're physics people like you can do non-physics things yeah. with yeah <laughs> i know for me personally i'm like physics is great but you know what sometimes i just want to do like, anything I just, else <laughs> I just need a break from you guys like i love yeah. you i just don't want to think about class so yeah i get it yeah oh, that's very very cool did you so you're in texas but did um, did you live around there or did you stay at home? I don't know like how far yeah. away like you actually were. Yeah, so, um, so I was born in Northern California. So I'm a NorCal girl at heart. Um, I love the Bay. We're, we're kind of like in the North Bay area. Um, but yeah, I love the Bay. The Bay is home. Uh, went to the Bay over this summer. We snuck away during COVID and sat in our hotel room to see my older sister graduate from uh, Navy school up there. Um, oh, nice. it was great. We just opened the windows. I was like, it's good enough. Um, but I grew up in San Antonio, Texas, um, which is still central Texas. Um, it's about 45 minutes South of San Marcos, um, about an hour and a half, two hours South of Austin, Texas. Uh, and so, so I'm smack dab in the middle of Austin and San Antonio, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, so my family moved up to Austin, I think in 2014 to my first year of college. Um, so I have family still in San Antonio, I have family up in Austin. So I like being smack in the middle. I'm just like, this is a perfect place. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm lucky that I'm like, I stayed close enough to home to go home and to be home, Mm -hmm. but also far enough away to be like, I can't come home for the weekend guys. I'm so sorry. I miss you. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) Very cool. Mm -hmm. So you are now in your first year of first semester of grad school. Obviously, things are not in the standard fashion as one yeah. had originally planned. <laughs> um, but so how is that going, you know, given, you know, these weird circumstances that we're in? Yeah. Um, it's very hard. I think yeah. uh, I, I always have struggled with uh, well, I, I typically struggle with lecture-based classes, which is why, like, once I got used to, like, uh, the LA side and the tutorial style of learning, I was like, oh, this is great. I love this. This is fantastic. Um, and so um, I, it, it's a, it, I knew it was going to be difficult no matter where I was. Um, so if I was in Michigan, I knew it was going to be difficult. If I was in Texas, I knew it was going to be difficult regardless. Um, and so my decision to stay in Texas ended up coming from, um, I know it's going to be difficult for one being uh, far away from where the school is, um, but also being in online classes, but I will be able to be in online classes and kind of deal with that difficulty close to home. Um, and somewhere that's familiar rather than like uprooting and doing all my online classes somewhere that's unfamiliar and new, um, and I can't go, like, go out and explore safely mm-hmm. because it's just, um, but yeah, so it's, it's hard. Um, and I am, and I know it's hard for everybody. It's hard for students and it's hard for teachers. Um, and so uh, I'm always taking it like, not like what's a grain of salt, but always being like they're, the professors are doing their absolute best, you know, to support their students. Um, and I've still gotten the vibe from the professors that I do have that they care about their students individually um, 
and like they're trying their best to make it a better experience. And so it, even though I'm not having a good time, I doubt they're having a good time. No one's having a good time. No, no one's having a good time. <laughs> no one's having a good time. Um, it's it's kind of helpful to like look at it both ways that like we're all doing the best we can, even if it's not good. Um, but yeah, pandemic stress is real. There's also just like protest stress and uh, activism stress and election stress. So um, yeah, I it's... It's an interesting semester to start graduate school. Yeah, yeah, definitely not not ideal. Yeah. Um, how how have you been? Have you been able to find like a good way to kind of help cope or relax yourself? You know, somewhat during these stressful times. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been trying. So I do have uh, one dear friend. She is immunocompromised, which is good. That means I have to be hella safe. Um, but also, like, she only hangs out with her family and with me, so I'm just like, that's good enough. Um, you're essentially so, family. You're essentially family. Yeah, her mom gives me food all the time. She sent me home with a bag of just, like, leftover cleaning supplies. She's like, you need this. You live alone. And I was just like, thank you, Miss Tanya. And she gave me, oh, yeah, they're the best. Um, and so just, like, hanging out with her um, throughout the pandemic has been nice. Um and all we really do is watch television or play Animal Crossing or D&D. &D. We do Animal Crossing and D&D &D almost equally. Um, so just trying to find the time just to get away from the desk um, and just like kind of unwind. Um, but you get, it's honestly just really, really difficult for me to unwind completely because of the anxiety that I have. Um, but also I'm just like, this is okay. Um, things are going to take longer. Things are a little bit more difficult, but um, I'm really trying to prioritize like my weekends, which is wild. And I feel, I still feel like low key guilty about that. But also I'm trying to take my weekends for like for myself and like go home and sit on the couch with my mom, um, like go outside with my dog and just like go read a non-research book at the coffee shop. Um, like sitting in the back corner with my mask on. He's just like sitting next to me. I'm just like, we're gonna read this book and it's gonna be okay. Um, and you should so, not yeah. feel guilty about that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I try yeah. to do that. I'm like, what, Saturdays yeah, are my yeah. day off. Like, I. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good. And I, I like, I think it's just like turning off like that, like the grind is all that matters, brain. Um, so, yeah, because you read a lot of books. I, I end up not reading a lot of books and I just spend a lot of time like on Twitter. Um, which is a, both a good and bad thing. I follow a lot of just like D&D &D and cartoon Twitter. I don't follow a lot of academic Twitter or like election news Twitter. So I'm just like, it's okay here. We're just talking about cartoons. Um, Very nice. yeah. I had to cut out Twitter for my life like a couple of days ago. Cause I'm like, I, I'm, I'm done. I can't take it anymore. It's, it's, it can be a lot. But I, yeah, I've, I've been very, I've uh, taken like over the summer. I just like went on like a purge almost of just like who I follow. Not like, in, I don't follow a lot of just like people. Uh, I'm just like, I'm going to follow things that make me laugh. So I follow like um, this one cartoon artist, I forget her name, but she's like, she's going through like a Lord of the Rings binge right now. And so she's just like, like putting out a lot of drawings of just like Lord of the Rings and just like funny things about Lord of the Rings. So I'm just like, this is good. I like this. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I like kind of curated it to like follow the people that like I should follow. I'm just like, okay, like, I'm like, okay, I'm like kept up on science news. I kind of know what's happening, but also like, I'm going to look at this silly Twitter post about Legolas and just be like, this is good. Yeah. I, I tried to, or at least like on other social media, like try to follow like cute baby mm -hmm. animals or something. I'm yes. like, oh. <laughs> like, okay, yes. I'll look at this, this baby cow or something, know. you know, <laughs> every <I see> <laughs> Yeah, I, follow, I see so many dogs on Instagram. I'm just like, this is a good life. <laughs> and I try to show my dog pictures of the other dogs. I'm just like, look, look what they're doing. And he, he doesn't care. He doesn't appreciate it. <laughs> what kind of <laughs> dog do you have? <laughs> uh, I have a Shih Tzu. So oh, nice. Yeah, so he's actually like the family dog. We got him from my older sisters. It was her boyfriend then, now her husband. They kind of like breed Shih Tzus kind of, sort of. Um, and so like... They have his mom and his sister um so like he'll go visit his mom and his sister sometimes but he's a little 10 year old shih tzu he's not here right now he's hanging out with my sister in austin um for the week because she wanted to have a turn with him and i was like okay fine i guess i'll share i've had him for two months but like i guess you could have him for three days <laughs> if yeah, you have as, to as far as dogs go like i i think they're a good one everyone i met was like 
they're nice and mellow, but they have personality too. Yes, (laughs) he has such an attitude. So he's super chill. He loves Sailor Moon. Um, He also really likes Danny Phantom. So I'll put, I felt like when I would have to go, go, uh, like go to class during the day, I would like put the TV on for him. And I'm like, what do you want to watch? So I like put on Danny Phantom. He would like sit on the couch sometimes and just like watch the TV, I think. Sometimes he lays on my bed, but like I put Danny Phantom on and he was on the couch when I left and he was still on the couch when I got back. And I'm just like, do you like Danny Phantom? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so he is super chill, but he has such an attitude sometimes. He will, his favorite thing to do, um, like when we go out, he'll let people sniff his hand. Like he'll let, he'll sniff people's hands as if he'll let them pet him. And then like they'll move their hand to pet him and I'll walk away. He does a hard turn and he walks away. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, he has no manners. And they're like, it's fine. I'm not hurt. I'm just like, I know you are. It's okay. He's very rude. Yeah. yeah, The dog breed. Yeah. So you said you were, so you're currently in Texas. And what is the plan to move up? Is that still TBD, maybe? Who knows? Or So the plan as of right now is to move in January. It will be interesting because it gets cold there yes and as a texas it does girl, get cold here like I, okay. yeah like i said i was like it was 63 and i was like oh this is sweater time i need a jacket so um yeah the plan of, as of right now um is to move because i believe they'll be doing some in-person classes in the spring semester at least the class like on the schedule builder it says that they're going to be in person for the education classes and so i'm just like i guess i should be there for those we'll see if it changes i hear conflicting things (laughs) (laughs) i know like i just don't know um but yeah so that's the plan as of right now is to come up to michigan um though it's gonna be so so cold it's gonna be so bad it'll be fine um but yeah Someone told me that the best reason to do grad school in Michigan is because you have no reason to go outside ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's very good. (laughs) Yeah, like like usually October is a time to go outside in Texas because it's not hot as butts outside, but like it's still pretty hot right now, which is disappointing. But um, yeah, I mean, it's not in the hundreds up there. So I'm like... Maybe. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is your Texas. dog going to move with you? No, he's going to stay down here. I'm so sad. So I have two little sisters, and the baby would be so mad at me if I brought him to Michigan with me. She would be so mad. So he has to stay down here, which is fine. Um, I have three sisters, and we do a lot of group FaceTimes because the oldest is in Georgia. Um, and so he's on group FaceTime with them all the time. So I'll still be able to see him on group FaceTime. We'll be fine. Well, that's good. Well, he seems to like watching the TV, so he probably likes FaceTime too, I'm guessing. He does sometimes. Sometimes we'll call him on FaceTime and he, again, he'll just turn away. (laughs) He has such an attitude. He's so funny. I'm like, you're such a diva. Such a diva. Funny. All right. So kind of like wrapping things up, like the last thing I think... I want to talk about so since this is your first semester you're um of the people talk to you probably most familiar or recently familiar with the application of grad school Mm -hmm. or even just thinking about grad school as to Mm -hmm. like do you want to go to grad school why do you want to go to grad school um do you have any suggestions or tips or experiences that you would like to talk about cal on like what that process was mm-hmm. like for you finding grad schools trying to picture what it is you want to do <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um so i think i was in a slightly unique position um which is how i think i just describe it to myself in that um when i was young like five years old, I wanted to be a paleontologist. So this is how I brought a paleontology. I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was little. And I was like, okay. Once I learned what grad school was after just spending hours and hours on the internet on college websites, because that, that was the kind of child I was researching dragons and researching colleges. <laughs> um, I realized that graduate school is a thing. And I was like, okay, 
study dinosaurs, I guess I gotta go get a graduate degree and do paleontology and go do archaeological digs. Um, and so I've always kind of had it set up in my brain that I was going to go to a grad school. I don't know for what, because um, I guess it changed over the many, many, many years. Um, I also love to be a paleontologist, I'm not gonna lie. Um, dinosaurs are great. Um, and so I think um, I was going through my undergraduate, um, kind of knowing that this was something that I was either supposed to do or going to do. Um, the linguistics of that word changes depending on my mood. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think um, when I got into PER, I was really, really lucky that my advisor was able to send me to many conferences um, to kind of start like that networking. Um, and so I think the most, I think the most influential thing for me when I was doing my applications was able to have uh, a network of people who were already in graduate school and grad students um, who were able to like be very candid with me about like the pros and cons of going. Um, and like, just like be very, very honest and just be like, if you're questioning it, you can try it. But also if you're questioning it, spend a couple of years out and maybe come back later. Um, so I think people being really, really honest with just like their experiences and how they kind of felt going into it and like what they like, their own trajectories was really, really important. Um, but also them sending it or sending me or either me asking or them sending or one of us forgetting to do something and then like asking again, um, like their own like statements of purposes um, and like their own like application materials was really, really helpful. Um, because then I can kind of see they're just like, this is what I said I was going to do when I first applied. This is what I'm doing now. So they're just like, the goal is to get into the door. Like your goal isn't to write to them and be like, hey, I'm going to complete this PhD tomorrow. Your goal is to get your foot into the door. Um, and I think that really helped ground me in like what I was trying to achieve uh, with my application statements. Like I'm not trying to tell them I'm going to start 18 programs and do this and do diversity work every single day and do outreach 24 eight or whatever. I was trying to be like, Hey, let me in and I'll figure it out from there. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that was, which sounds very vague and wild. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that was also important. I, th I guess like the second most important thing was being able to find application waivers and um, not being afraid to ask, people for application waivers um, and because uh, graduate school application fees are a scam. I think it's crazy. Just like college, uh, college uh, application fees are also a scam. Um, I was really lucky being able to be like free and reduced lunch in Title I that I was able to find a lot of uh, college, uh, I forgot the word, I was just said it six times, waivers or whatever. Um, but I had to, like, I think it's a lot harder to find graduate school uh, application waivers than it was to find undergrad waivers. Um, but I know that I was able to, con like, find people who I knew, who knew other people out of the program, who could be like, hey, I'm a CC on this email, talk to this person, and see if they can, like, waive that $75. Because if you're applying to six schools with $75, it's almost $600. I can't do the math right now, but it's almost $600. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, at least, at least financially, that was a massive help. Okay. Yeah, that, that's very, very good advice. I think that'll be very, very useful. Um, all right. One last question. Very important question. Okay. Um, favorite dinosaur. Oh my God. So <laughs> Let's see, my favorite growing was, was a Triceratops. I thought she was so beautiful and wonderful. But I think my favorite now is the Apatosaurus because, this is why I love the Apatosaurus, because the existence- You need to look up what Apatosaurus is. It's one of the, it's one of the long neck ones. Okay. So, so the existence of the Apatosaurus was hotly contested in the archeological world. Um, they're just like, no, it's a Diplodocus. There's just like one kind of long neck dinosaur, right? Apatosauruses are fake. Y'all are just making this dinosaur up. This is like five years ago. And like five years ago, they were like, hey, Apatosauruses are real. And we're gonna just like land on that. So like, 
don't quote me on any of this history but i remember seeing an article like like in the past like five or six years that was just like we have proof that a pad of forces exists and i was just like hell yeah that's my favorite now <laughs> just because of the, just because of the drama surrounding the apatosaurus okay well i, I, I had to google are apatosaurus real <laughs> <laughs> oh yep here's an article the it is back yeah all right I did not know about such drama or controversy about the about the existence of oh, it's so it's so fun. It's very cool. I, I also enjoyed the passion of <laughs> <laughs> the history of the Apatosaurus. Apatosaurus. Long neck dinosaur. <laughs> That's something like I always find interesting is that like I feel like you ask any five-year-old or six-year-old, you're like dinosaurs are always like the go-to. And they know mm-hmm. so much about dinosaurs, but like oh, yeah. they're like the hardest words to pronounce because there's like 20 letters in each word. And, and they just, just like, shoot them out. They're just like, I know yeah. everything. And I'm just like, wow, I was I was that five-year-old. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, it's just yeah, and I don't understand. Like I felt like I was one of those kids too, but now I have no dinosaur facts. Um, <gasps> oh no. Probably because I don't know. I I stopped watching The Land Before Time. Maybe I needed oh to. God. Maybe I needed to introduce that into my life. Maybe there's so many. There's so many of them. There's like eighteen of them now, or something. It's crazy. I will say, like a couple of years ago, I did an internship at like Kansas State, mm-hmm. um, and it was like an RU. And me and a couple of friends, like one week, and we did watch like The Land Before Time. Oh like one evening, it's like. <laughs> How 22 fun. years old watching land before time in the basement of oh my some... god that sounds like so much fun <laughs> yeah it was definitely like a different perspective looking yeah. at it than i did when i was five or yeah <laughs> <so old. laughs> all right well it's been good talking to you thank you for for doing this mm-hmm. um, yeah. thank you for having me what a oh treat. yeah absolutely all right <laughs> yeah thank you i don't know why i felt the need to because i've been doing it this whole time so it's just like it's me i was inspired by you to do it (laughs) no one can see that i did that so they i know podcasts are a video not a video medium but audio medium (laughs) so okay thank you it was good talking to you good talking to you too Bye. bye